Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. The San Francisco 49ers have some questions to answer this offseason, especially at quarterback. What is going on with this Jaguars coaching search? And what coaching domino will be the next to fall? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The San Francisco 49ers failed to make the Super Bowl after losing to the LA Rams in the NFC Championship game. And the takes are white hot, especially among 49ers fans about what is next what is the deal with Jimmy Garoppolo? Who's going to be the quarterback in San Francisco? Joining me now from Locked On 49ers, Eric Crocker. And Croc, you were a Jimmy defender for much of his tenure in San Francisco. Trey Lance, though, three first-round picks. That's a lot. What is the future for the 49ers at quarterback right now? Oh, the future is Trey Lance. And like you said, you know, a lot of it leans on, hey, you spend that much draft capital on a prospect, on a player. You're going to utilize him. And, and Trey Lance has shown a drastic improvement from his first start to his second start. You've seen a lot of high moments and plays and things that elements that he brings. You've seen some areas where he needed to improve. And, you know, watching the Houston, Texas game, I think that uh, really made everybody relax and, and be optimistic about what he's going to be moving forward. That, that being said, Jimmy Garoppolo, was it just a no-win situation? Was there nothing? Like, if they win the Super Bowl, is he the starting quarterback? Or was this fait accompli? Is this, is this over and and this was always going to be the case? I, I believe there was absolutely nothing he could do unless he came out and looked like Aaron Rodgers, uh, <laughs> you know, lighting it up, throwing the ball all around Joe Burrow, something like that, and he won the Super Bowl. Then maybe you could justify keeping him another year. But it really felt like a majority of the time the 49ers were winning in spite of whatever Jimmy Garoppolo is doing at the quarterback position, uh, you know, watched him against the Green Bay Packers in the snow. And, you know, he completed like, you know, a couple key passes down the stretch. But you also saw a lot of the reasons why he he's a headache for his coaching staff. And, you know, luckily for him, defense was really good this year. Uh, he had a plethora of weapons and that allowed him to make plays when they, it needed to happen. But I think overall, just watching him, eye test shows, I think they were ready to move away from him once the season was over and they feel more comfortable about where Trey Lance is. You mentioned the coaching staff, Kyle Shanahan now in, in basically the three biggest games of his life. He was the offensive coordinator when, when his team blew a 28 to three lead. He was the head coach when his team blew a two score lead in the fourth quarter to the Kansas city chiefs. And now he is the head coach when his team blows a 10 point lead in the second half of this playoff game. I mean, how much of this has to fall on the shoulders of Kyle Shanahan? This fourth down call has been discussed a lot. What is his responsibility in all of this? You know, I, I think it's just getting that monkey off your back and getting over that hump. And right now he's kind of struggling to do that. You know, I, I think it speaks volumes of just the type of coach he is uh, to just be in that position in the first place. And, you know, you can go back several years and we remember when Andy Reid was that coach who went mm -hmm. to four straight NFC championship games and won Super Bowl and failed to win any of those uh, come through in the clutch and, you know, win a Super Bowl. So, you know, sometimes coaches, they go on these runs where you, you could see that he is the right guy for the job, but something has to click or go, you know, the right way for him in that moment. And I think for Kyle Shanahan, eventually that time will come. 
uh, in those three games, it, it just wasn't his time, and other guys were able to make plays against his teams. Uh, I, I would say moving forward, you know, if, as someone who uh, covers the 49ers and, you know, has seen every game, every snap that he's coached of the 49ers, I think he's the right guy for the job. And um, he's just got to keep swinging, keep swinging, and eventually it'll go his way. Thanks for making Locked On Today your first listen of the day. The Jacksonville Jaguars sure seem to be taking their time filling their head coach vacancy. Where do they stand? That's next. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Boston Celtics defeated the Miami Heat with ease. Hey, John Corrales here from the Lockdown Celtics podcast at the TD Garden after the Boston Celtics beat the Miami Heat by 31-22 to 92 behind 49 combined points, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Also a great game from Marcus Smart. The Celtics came out moving the ball well. They attacked the zone, which has been a real weak spot for them, something that really cost them in Atlanta, something that hurt them in New Orleans and made that game closer than it should have been for a while. Uh, but in this game, they came out and executed. This is really what execution is supposed to look like from the Boston Celtics, who are finally whole and finally getting a little bit of consistency. So, uh, but what happened in this game here, the Celtics kind of fell apart in the second quarter where the Miami Heat put an 18-5 run together. Ime Odoko called a timeout with uh, the score tied at 32. The Celtics came out and put together a 9-0 run to take a lead that they would never relinquish. Then in the third quarter, they really just pulled away. Everything was clicking for the Celtics there. Uh, defense was good, offense was good. They got a bunch of assists. They were moving the ball well. They were pushing the pace. Everything you could ask for. The Miami Heat, certainly a shorthanded team, and that helped. No, uh, no Jimmy Butler, no Kyle Lowry. So not the Miami Heat that is the first place team in the East, but any Celtics win and a win like this where the execution was as good as it was is very important and very welcome. The Memphis Grizzlies and Philadelphia 76ers needed more time to figure out the winner of their matchup, but John Moran and company could not complete the win. A tough night for the Grizzlies on the road as they drop a close one, 122 to 119 against the Philadelphia 76ers. Sean coming here with the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Even though the the Sixers were without Joel Embiid, which seemed like good news for the Grizzlies before the game, the Sixers and Grizzlies both had very good offensive games, and the Grizzlies just could not get enough stops. Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey were outstanding for the Sixers, over 70 combined points for both of those two in tonight's game. But despite the loss, another very, very outstanding and encouraging offensive performance from the trio of John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr., who now twice in a week span have had two performances where combined they've scored 75 or more points. This is starting to show that the Grizzlies' core three, along with Dylan Brooks when he gets back, but the three most important players for the Grizzlies now and into the future are really starting to find their groove as an offensive trio. And also some fun history tonight as John Morant, since the year 2000, only three NBA players 22 and younger have had seven straight games with 30 or more points. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and John Morant. That's the only three players. 
the big takeaways from tonight are the Grizzlies' young trio, their outstanding trio, are finding their groove offensively, going into a favorable February schedule. And John Moran is starting to show that his scoring prowess is reaching some rare levels for a player his age. The Toronto Raptors escape Atlanta with the win over the Hawks. The Raptors starters do it again. Sean Woodley here from Lockdown Raptors to break down the Toronto Raptors 106-100 win over the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta on Monday night to move the Raptors to 25-23 and on the season. And the big takeaway from this one is that the Raptors starting five is coalescing into one of the better five-man units in the NBA. Their overall numbers aren't that impressive just yet. There's some noisy samples from earlier on in the season where guys were getting back and acclimatized. But with this win over the Hawks, where the Raptors starters were just incredible in the second half, really got the Raptors back on track with this in this one after being down nine at the half with some incredible defense, turning it into offense. Pascal Siakam continues to play all-NBA level basketball. He had 25 points in this one. Gary Trent Jr.? Gary Trent Jr.? Junior, this guy, four straight games of 30 or more points. OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, incredible defense. Fred Van Vliet doing the all-star thing or all-star worthy thing he's done all season long. And this five-man group, which has not played together a whole lot this year, is finally getting some run together, some time to play and gel and learn one another. And you're seeing them pick up wins. Of course, this is coming off the heels of Saturday's game against the Miami Heat, where that same five-man crew all played at least 54 minutes in a triple overtime win over the East leading Heat. This is a really good team that just needs some help. And I think what we've seen in the last couple days here should probably force the Raptors' hand ahead of the deadline to add to give this five-man crew the support it deserves. And the Florida Panthers put up eight goals on the road. Feeling bad for the Columbus Blue Jackets today. Another game against the Columbus Blue Jackets where the Florida Panthers score at least eight goals. What is up, guys? This is Armando Velez from the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. And the Florida Panthers defeat the Columbus Blue Jackets by a final score of 8-4 to four in Columbus. And last time these two teams faced, the Florida Panthers put up nine goals against Columbus. And this time, on the road at Nationwide Arena, they do it again where they get at least eight in this one. And it, this game was led by the third line of Mason Marchment, Anton Lindell, and Sam Reinhart. And the biggest story of the night was Mason Marchment tying a franchise record for most points in a game with six, getting two goals and four assists. And Anton Lindell, what can we say about Anton Lindell, who's been averaging a, a point per game in the last month since December 29th and definitely has to continue being in the race, at least for the Calder Trophy this year in the NHL. And Sam Reinhart, what a find for the Florida Panthers getting him in a trade from Buffalo. Started with a point in the first six games of his Florida Panthers career, and it took him a little bit to get acclimated into the system that Coach Q at the time and now Andrew Burnett did for the Panthers. And now this third line, you have to win um, in this league having not only your top six score, but your bottom six. And, the, and it just seems like that every single night there's a different line for the Florida Panthers that is uh, scoring. Here's what to look for coming up on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your football action this season. Let's look at Super Bowl MVP odds. Bet Online likes Matthew Stafford to take home the award with the shortest odds, plus 115. Joe Burrow, second, plus 240. Aaron Donald, Leads all defensive players at 10 to 1 odds, while Cooper Cup, 5 to 1, has the edge at receiver over Jamar Chase, 16 to 1. 
Bengals place kicker Evan McPherson, an interesting sleeper bet, 33 to 1. He's got the same odds to win the Super Bowl MVP as Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, and Cam Akers. Interesting, interesting, interesting. For all your gambling needs, Bet Online has you covered. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on to get that bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Here is another story you need to know. The Jacksonville Jaguars have found their head coach, or so we thought about two weeks ago, and yet here we are, and we still hear every day about a new coach who is interviewing in Jacksonville. What the heck is going on? Hopefully, Tony Wiggins from Locked On Jaguars can give us some insight into what what is happening in Duval right now, Tony. Why haven't they reached a decision yet? We thought it was supposed to be Byron Leftwich. Two weeks ago. Well, let me kill your hope right now. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and anybody that tells you they know what's going on here in Jacksonville, they are a flat-out <laughs> lie. I, I will tell you this. This is a master class of off-season dysfunction. That's what it is. And you can you can just see it, man. Um, they got guys. So McConnell, um, you know, you had this little period where you had to actually submit that you wanted to interview him so you could interview him before he stopped coaching, right? Well, Minnesota got that right. Jacksonville didn't. So we can't even, I say we, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to associate myself right now. They can't discuss <laughs> anything with him until after the Super Bowl. And he could very well be hired already. It has been awful. It is, the fans are upset. No one seems to want to work with Trent Baalke. And anyone that does want to work with Trent Baalke is someone that he knows from the past. McConnell's one of them um, and guys like that, man. But the fans, the natives are restless, man, and, and they really want something to be done. So let's go back to the original thought, which was Byron Leftwich is the guy. And then it and then it became, well, Byron Leftwich wants to bring his personnel person. It sounded like there was a chance that could happen. Is the Byron Leftwich stuff done? Like, let's dig into this Trent Balky piece of it. it. He's he is the the piece right now that's that's holding this up, right? A- absolutely. Absolutely. So here, here's what we think from based on speculation and based on what we hear. There was a report that came out, a very credible, credible report that an agent prior to all of this said that his client, a coach, would have to fire him to take uh, an interview with Jacksonville and work <laughs> under the current structure. He says, I won't let him do it. He, he'd have to find somebody else to be his agent. So I'm thinking what happened with Byron, because your first shot should be advantageous to you. Right. I think the way this works is, okay, yeah, I want to be the coach. Y'all like me. I'll be the coach. And then the agent steps in for the negotiation and says, but wait a minute. He wants to bring his own people. If this is going to work, we want to be able to jive and we want everybody to be on the same page. We don't want what happened to Balky and Harbaugh, Balky and Tom Sula, Balky and Chip Kelly, and then Balky and Urban Meyer to happen again. And Shah Khan should not want that, but he has been resistant to total change. He always has some little lingering hangover, a leftover from the last regime. You know what I, I call it, Peter? I said, this is what I would not do. If I remarried, I wouldn't let my wife's baby daddy stay on the other end of the house just to make the kids comfortable. <laughs> So, that you know, really, you want to start all over, get all of that trash out of here. Yeah, Urban was a, was a hot mess, but Balky was a hot mess, too. You know what I'm saying? You can actually have two hot messes at one time, right? I mean, theoretically, 
That's what they had. You know, I, I don't know what the correct terms is. It's like bulky can be bad and urban can be bad and it's not mutually exclusive. Correct me if I'm wrong. Or it's not a binary issue that because one guy was bad, the other guy wasn't. No. Coming up, which coaching domino is most likely to be the next to fall? Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and it makes it easier for you to feel like you're putting good stuff in your body while also eating something that tastes delicious. I ordered a box of the coconut brownie, and I had got them a couple months ago, almost a year ago now, and I hadn't had them in a while. I forgot just how delicious they are. I mean, I was like blown away all over again at how good they are. You, you If you think that, that that's hyperbole, go try them. I'm telling you, go try them. They are unbelievable. And yet, high in, high in protein, high in fiber, low in net carbs, low in sugar, low in cows. It's everything you want from a food because it tastes great and fuels your body. Right now, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at Built.com. That's Built.com. And use the promo code LOCKED15. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the day. The coaching carousel continues to spin in the NFL. Josh McDaniels now in Las Vegas with the Raiders, but we still have plenty yet to be decided to help us do that host of Locked On Saints and Locked On NFL. You get to wear both hats for this, Ross. Ross Jackson, it joins us now. And, and Ross, when we look at these openings, a lot of these teams, I didn't even mention the Jaguars because we had Tony uh, on to talk about them. But what is the next domino right now to fall when it comes to this coaching carousel? Yeah, I think that the team that seems to have moved the furthest at this point in terms of moving into sort of those second interviews uh, is the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Miami Dolphins have looked at a lot of different coaches, including guys like Mike McDaniel, who's one of my personal favorites. It's out on this market right now. We've seen some Kevin O'Connor love all around the NFL as well. But I think that the Miami Dolphins might be the ones that are the closest. I think, honestly, the furthest away would be the team that I cover, the New Orleans Saints. They don't seem to be rushing into anything. Look like they're going to use this Senior Bowl week as an opportunity to maybe uh, get some networking in, some opportunities in within the uh, within Mobile, Alabama there while they have everybody around. They're in- interviewing everybody. I might get an interview by the end of all of this. I mean, they are turning every stone. So I, that's the way that I look at it. Next domino, probably Miami Dolphins, one furthest away, very likely New Orleans Saints. So... When you look at these coaching candidates, and it is a lot of the same names that have come up, uh, is there a name that stands out to you that goes, okay, this is the big fish out there right now that teams are looking at, and and wherever he goes, that could be the most impactful coaching hire left out there? That is probably, for me, the most impactful head coach left is very likely Brian Flores. He's the Mm. only one that's coming off of a head coaching job that he effectively moved on from or was moved on from with success, right? It wasn't a situation to where you saw the Miami Dolphins go, even though they started off poorly. They they didn't finish the season with just a couple of wins here. This was a borderline playoff team that dealt with a lot of different things going on around the organization. And of course, within the makeup of their team, health, safety, all of that. And Brian 
Brian Flores was moved on from basically because of what we understand to be just differences simply with the direction of where the franchise wanted to go. So if you're able to align a guy like Brian Flores, who has now come off of two straight winning seasons with the Miami Dolphins that are still very much in the midst of a rebuild or have been in the midst of a rebuild, I think that that puts you in uh, really the driver's seat, you know, as the coach out there that should be the most desirable right now. What is the most desirable job of all of these? I mean, look, I'm yeah, I, I'm gonna say the New Orleans Saints. You know what I mean? I'm gonna say it. I know everybody's gonna scoff and they're gonna say seventy four million dollars over the salary cap, Ross, and they ain't got no quarterback. But hey, seventy four million dollars over the uh, salary cap, yes. But they have all the mechanisms built in. That's not by accident. It's not they're not like they're gonna wake up on the first of March and go, "We're how." how much over the salary cap they know where they are they have a plan for all of that and if you're a head coach that wants to come in and sort of change the direction of an organization and be able to select your own quarterback or at least work with the organization to pursue the quarterback that you want new orleans saints could be the franchise that's best in the uh, path to be able to achieve that and finally a day off from school is exactly what the city has ordered in Cincinnati, Cincinnati Public Schools announced on Monday that staff and students will have the day off on February 14th. It has long been decreed by football fans that the day following the Super Bowl should be a holiday. The Queen City taking that to heart, win or lose. And yes, whether you win or you lose, you need a day off after the Super Bowl. As the Eagles once said, some drink to remember, some drink to forget. Coming up Wednesday, the Nets travel to Phoenix to battle the Suns, and we'll break it all down. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.